0: You're listening to a podcast from 702. 702. Afternoon drive with Mongani Bingwa. Live. Online. The 702 app. DSTV. And 92.7 and 106 FM. It's seven minutes after four o'clock, uh, welcome to the afternoon drive. If you've just joined us, uh, this is the second hour of the show. We are with you until six o'clock. Now, yesterday, my colleague Eusebius Makaiser addressed what you could call the elephant in the room he responded to a caller who asked him if he was optimistic about shall we call it essay inc and in typical ub form he pulled no punches he said that a few years ago he would have said things were going to turn around and that there were reasons to be optimistic but not anymore i mean obviously no one in their right mind is going to say life under apartheid was better unless you were a beneficiary i suppose so let's not go there But the bottom line is we are in trouble. We're besieged by frequent lawlessness, xenophobia, fading democratic values, and almost every day we've got stories of corruption, bribery, looting, abuse, and wastage of state resources. Brand South Africa is in the proverbial K-A, you know the rest. The real question, and I suppose the only question to ask, is how much? One of the things that struck me with what Eusebius MacKaiser said yesterday was that he said that part of the problem is that even the smart people don't actually know just how bad things are. Books like Jacques Poe's President's Keepers give us a glimpse into how deep the iceberg might be, but even there we're only still seeing the top so i've invited one of the smart people i do know who also happens to be a very good friend of mine to tell us just how bad things are and joining us on the line is economist at uh, nascent's advisory and that's of course uh, khandi Pai. good afternoon to you and thank you for your time
1: uh, good afternoon Mugani, and to your listeners and
0: thanks for having me south africa has never been in this much trouble certainly not in the democratic era even tony leon i mean you must have laughed uh, he has mitted that he longs for the days when his arch-nemesis Mbeki was in charge.
1: <laughs> I mean, I think that is actually quite a a, a, a thing to hear because I suppose, in a, in, a, in a sense, all of us had thought that we had been um, going uh, on a positive trend. I think that's the thing now that it really feels like um, things are actually going backwards, and I think the statistics are, are showing us the same thing. That um, every all the gains that we've made in um, in post-democratic South Africa, at least you know in the first um, you know decade or so, have now uh, been uh, been reversed. Uh, if we think about the finances, if we think about some of the crime, the poverty, all of these things actually are going backwards, and uh, it's hard for anybody actually to to deny that.
0: There's been. The unburdening panel by the South African Council of Churches, and they painted the systematic siphoning of state assets and the betrayal of the promise, stating how South Africa is being stolen. Um, We've had multiple researchers who concluded that they found South Africa has experienced a silent coup.
1: I think, you know, it's interesting because there's been some argument, you know, because a lot of people are asking whether or not corruption is more now than it was before, um, and you know, there will be those people, I'm sure you've heard them saying, well, actually, it's more reported now than it ever has been. It is interesting to me because I suppose why would we find it more reported now? Is it because everybody is becoming a reporter these days? And I think that wouldn't be true, given actually how little uh, journalists get paid these days. So it seems to me that actually it is that there is a lot more work um, to reveal some of these really, really ugly things that are happening in our society. And it's, it's a certain thing because I suppose nobody actually wants to watch it, even if, you know, you were listening to Tony Leo and having to admit um, as such that actually, you know, his, his name was Mbeki it was actually somebody worth something. Um, it, it tells us something about the fact that actually it's not so much that um, it is that we are reporting more, it's that actually these things are starting to happen. I mean, look at um, our level, rising levels of poverty. You know, there was a time when we see the stats, you know, there was a time actually that we were beating poverty it was coming down. We are now seeing that actually poverty is coming up. And it's actually also quite reflected in our crime statistics, right? Because people are getting more and more and more desperate. We are seeing that um, certainly in terms of uh, rising levels of unemployment. We are told that, you know, we have more people unemployed now than any other time. In democratic South Africa, we are told, as the Minister of Finance has showed us in the numbers that he revealed just recently, um, that our debt levels—we so are borrowing more and more, and we are collecting less and less in taxes. It shouldn't surprise us because when less people are working, when less people, when more people are despondent, we should be, we should see um, that we are collecting less taxes because I suppose taxes do come uh, in reality from people who actually work and from a productive society. Um, and, you know, and our partners are starting to abandon us, right? We have had trusted partners, um, who are now walking away from us, who had high confidence and they're losing that confidence. And I think a lot of that is seen in the ratings agencies who, for a while, actually, you know, held us in high regard and they were giving us, you know, high marks. Yeah. They're now taking down those marks. Um, which is also a sign that, you know, they're not just reading nothing. They're reading something into because those people are analytical and they don't actually just move on newspaper reports. They actually go out and do analysis on the numbers. Uh, and the feedback that re- they receive from government, from the p- private sector, and from South Africans in the media. So all of those things do tell us actually that um, things are starting to be in serious decline.
0: Do you remember when we had slogans like "alive with possibility"? That all seems a distant memory now.
1: It does, and I, <laughs> I mean, it's uh, it's a sad thing that you know. Um, you know, that allowed the possibilities where uh, we felt like South Africans and there was something to fight when we were going forward. Even when, you know, and those were days actually that were quite dark in terms of we we're starting out in South Africa. You know, there were those songs even. Um, you know, remember that Peace in Our Land. Yes. And then we start to see, <laughs> and we start to see now actually that even incidences of racism and conflict among citizens, the labor sector is getting more and more unhappy. Taxi drivers are taking more and more, um, you know, um, strikes. So, we are seeing a sense of, you know, that alive possibility, that future South Africa, that hope yeah. is really dying out. And, the, and you know, people will always say, are you a 702 caller? We're having more and more 702 callers uh, across all radio stations. So now, that that should worry now, us.
0: Now, in our quest for easy and simple answers, uh, it's tempting, I suppose, to make the problems about the Guptas, certainly on the anniversary of uh, tulima Donzela's report. Uh, but the fact is, the state in many respects is rotten to the core there are many people who are propping up the looting and they're nameless and they're faceless but like hyenas they're shredding the state like a dead carcass and the guptas are just but one picture of the state capture project
1: they are. And actually, maybe if we are realistic uh, which, uh, about everything that's going on, we should look into how it is that they actually get to succeed um, in their project, right? But it's and not just about
0: them is the point I'm making.
1: I, I know, absolutely. But I'm just saying that, you know, if it is about just them, that they wouldn't succeed in a project like that if things were not actually bad uh, on their own, right? They would yes. find a, a, in a society... That is actually strong in its morality and which has hope and that wouldn't actually hand over as many things as we have handed over um from the many reports that um we are seeing and it is actually quite widespread because i suppose they only represented part of this but they are representative of really the kind of desperation and degradation that we are finding in our society and it is economic in nature and i think many times we like to think of it as just political it seems to me actually that our political issues are uh, by and large because of the, the, uh, the economic challenges that are continuing to worsen.
0: So talk to me then, what happens when we are forced to go to, uh, say, the IMF with a begging bowl? Look, I think that question
1: um, is something that uh, is starting to us. One of the things that we heard from the Minister of Finance when he did about his budget uh, a couple of weeks ago, he said, you know, um, our debt levels are growing, that we are spending more and more money refinancing debt, so paying debt, Um, of rather than, uh, you know, I mean, paying interest in debt rather than paying it back. That is, our debt is escalating, going back to the levels of apartheid. We are at a state where we are not uh, collecting enough money. Our growth levels are low. Our unemployment is high. And he said um, that one of the things, uh, but he didn't actually give us a very clear plan. So that actually we would say, well, these are the things that we're going to be able to do in the next six months, in the next year, in the next five years to change the situation. That means that this situation, if it's not actually checked, it continues to deteriorate. So, for example, if we are paying 15 percent, I mean, 15 percent of all the of the money we spend goes to financing debt. That is a huge amount of money that we could use to turn around the tide. More and more people are joining the you know, social services. So we're paying more and more people depending on the state. That situation obviously gets to accelerate where we need more money, but we don't have yeah. it. And then we continue to, um, and then for, because we get downgraded, which means even though we have high debt levels, that debt becomes even more and more expensive. So you can s- imagine it in our own personal terms.
0: Yeah. So simplify it for me. Then- I'm going to come in there. Simplify it for me. I mean, how, how much poo are we in? How soon do we become another Venezuela? And when are we going to, are we going to start seeing, you know, shortages? Are we going to start seeing power outages? Are we to, I mean, how bad is the situation? Look,
1: I think one of the key things that I think we have to look for uh, to look at are our, our key institutions that we trusted to actually hold up our economy and certainly our social uh, our society as a whole uh, when we think about power shortages, for example, in cutATs, we look at, at an organization like ESCOM and we think if things continue to do to go the way they do and they, they're no longer able, for example, to borrow money or money is expensive in capital markets, then they won't be able to extend power and then we will find we have these past outages. One of the things that we had when we actually were doing really well in terms of our economy and paying back our debt was our ability to create our own policy. So the thing that we might lose when we go with the begging bowl to uh, to the IMF is that they decide in terms of Well, they will tell us to cut our spending in education. They'll tell us to cut our spending in social services, cut our spending in infrastructure so that they can lend us this money. That means then, you know, all the things that we need to do that are quite urgent in terms of providing for everything that we need actually fall by the backside. And we've seen what happens when we get policy dictated outside um, our own um, you know, policymakers and certainly out the t- decisions that we make. And that's really the danger that we face because then we hand over all the power. And the, our biggest democratic gain was that part in which we could determine for ourselves what it is that we're going to do and how we're going to improve our own society and how we're going to improve our own economy, how we're we going to make sure that everybody in South Africa is protected. And that is not something that we want to do because no. we actually, at the very base, lose
0: our democratic system. That's the silent coup they're talking about. Klandipai, economist at nascent Advisory.